breaking news and trending talk with Mike and McCarty. Mornings on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. One zero one seven FM seven ten Keel Mike and McCarty on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline. Shreveport Mayor Tom Arsenault graciously joining us this morning. Tom, happy Monday! Thanks for taking time to talk with us. Happy Monday! I'm glad to talk to you. Got some. Uh, we 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 hear the rumor mill is ginning that uh, this deal with Curtis Jackson fifty cent uh, is a done deal. Is that true? What's the status on on the Millennium Studios purchase? I would say it's moving forward, but it's it's uh, it isn't it isn't a done deal. We uh, we responded to him uh, oh about six weeks ago with a, a list of uh, things, and he uh, and they were basically kind of filling in some of the gaps of between uh, his very broad proposal and what we thought we needed to do. I wanted to make sure that. You know, in terms of major points that we wanted to make, that we weren't off off on a tangent somewhere, and apparently we weren't. So, um, I have uh, uh, the city has drafted a um, a proposed lease from Millennium, and we sent it to him, and we're awaiting his comments on it. I said purchase. I meant, I meant long term lease. How yeah, did, it's a lease. How did the rumor of the old um, AT and T plant? How did that, where did that come from? Because a lot of the rumor was uh, a few weeks ago that that's what he's purchased was the AT&T plant where it was a, a, a movie studio briefly. I have, I have no idea. I don't have any information about that at all. Mayor, the, the Millennium Studios is part of this lease deal. He looked, I believe, at the old Expo Hall. Is that not part of the deal? Is that still on the table? No, it's still on the table. Um, just the way that we, a couple of things, the way that we draft and with word processors the way they are, uh, they will be very, very similar deals. There may be some differences in permitted uses of the two, uh, but the best way to do it is to knock out the, the, the transaction will basically be the same for each of those is how we envision it. But rather than drafting them both and then having to make all the changes in both, we draft one, and then we'll use that one as the model for the second one. It, it cuts down on the margin for error. Gotcha. Who will be responsible for maintaining the facility and making sure that it's kept up? Uh, under the lease that we propose, that will be his responsibility. And you will have authority to go in and make sure he's doing that, I assume? Yes, we have inspection rights. Okay, can you disclose to us uh, how much he's you've proposed that he pay on this lease? Uh, we we met his answer at two hundred dollars a month. The only thing we changed was twenty four hundred dollars. We made it annual since it was a small amount. Two hundred dollars a month is that what you said? Correct. Correct. Does he plan on making any major changes to the building that you know of? Not that I know of. Those would require our consent. Okay, and he's proposing... Now, he can make... Now, remember, it's a movie studio, so he can do stuff inside to move things around sure. for, for movie production and that kind of thing, and that's anticipated in the lease. 
But he's plan- he's proposing to use the entire facility so the city would not be able to use it for job training or any of the other stuff that they had proposed prior, correct? There is a back building that, that the Department of Community Development uses that we are not including in the league. Okay. And now, Tom, we heard, like I say, we heard it's a done deal, but you say it's not. You're still in negotiations. Is there a time frame on when you look to close this? I well, I would uh, I would hope we would close it very very soon. I I kind of thought we would have heard back from uh, about the lease uh, by now, but uh, he has a lot of irons in the fire. He's a big businessman, and sometimes the other things take priority. Have some council members been in touch with him? Or I understand that some may have gone to visit with him either in L.A. or New York. Have you heard anything about a trip like that, or were you involved? Uh, I was not involved. Did it happen? I don't know. Okay. Let's switch gears to Rev Entertainment. You were seeking a company to do a study to find out if this Rev Entertainment project was feasible. You now have, I guess it would be bids or proposals. How many companies are in? Okay, what what are they proposing to do for you? The main thing that we're looking for uh, the was uh, feasibility of the project itself, as well as ideas on on financing and how best to protect the city. It's really we're asking somebody to help us do our due diligence on the transaction, and it covers a, a broad spectrum of services. Cost? The bids are um, everywhere from uh, a, a few tens of thousands of dollars to about two hundred thousand dollars. And how soon? We're anticipating. Okay. We're anticipating between one hundred and one hundred fifty thousand dollars. And how soon will you make the determination on which proposal you're going with, and how long will their work take? Uh. We, we hope to make that decision this week. Uh, that does not require council approval, although we'll keep the council informed. Uh, we will, uh, there's, there's a committee of four that will rank and, and make that decision and we anticipate having that decision made by the end of the week. I would say that their work will take, uh, 30 to 60 days. Maybe well, maybe longer than that. Maybe 120 days. What are the key things they're going to look at? How quickly they can get the information. What are the key things they'll look at? They're going to look. They're going to look at the at the master the master plan. Not not the sketch of not not the sketches of the um, of the layout, but but what kinds of entertainment venues they're going to be. What kind of revenues they will. Uh, they are likely to produce what kind of uh, upkeep expenses and construction costs there will be, and then recommendations how to uh, how to finance it without uh, without the city being involved in general obligation bonds. Talking with Mayor Tom Arsenault, Mayor, um, big big vote coming up in the Shreveport City Council this week. Now we know the work session is today uh, to repeal the smoking ban in the casinos in the Shreveport casinos. Uh, we would be the first municipality to ever do this, to repeal a smoking ban. Uh, how do you feel about that? Uh, that's a legislative decision. Do how you, do you feel about that? Do you that? support it? I have reservations about it. 
What What do you mean? About repealing well, the, the, the ban? Yeah, I do. I do. But it, it I, as I anticipated, that's going to be a decision that city council will make. It's a legislative decision. It doesn't deal with, with internal city policy. But you could veto it if you chose to. Is that something you would consider? One oh one seven FM seven ten Keel Mike and McCarty couldn't get uh, the mayor to commit. <laughs> you know, and, and that would be interesting if he would say, "If there are only four votes for this, I will veto it." Right. Then they could end this whole mess. They could not have today's dog and pony show, which they're going to have, and we could have a you know one hour meeting instead of a four hour meeting. Um, you know, if if he's inclined to veto it and he were to make that known ahead of time um, and there's one council person wavering, you know, they might could end this whole thing today. If he if he's got, you know, veto proof vote, if it's four three, um, then they could wrap this whole thing up. He'd say, look, I'm going to veto it. You don't have the five votes to override. So we're we're going through a four hour ordeal for nothing. So I, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious if he'll. And I don't know that there's not going to be, there may be five votes. I'm curious because if you recall, Jerry Bowman voted for the ban um, back when they voted for it before. Um, his wife, Ursula Bowman, is on the council now. Will she do the same? I think people are assuming she's one of the five votes, and I don't think she is. I think there's um, there's some history, family history, that may come up. That she may feel obligated to vote for this ban. I don't know. I have not talked to her. I don't think folks need to count her as one of the five votes yet. I'm just saying I think she's probably wavering. And uh, remember how her husband voted. So does she vote like he does? Does she change? But there there are people now that are saying if we don't lift this ban, we're going to lose the Shreveport Casinos. That, 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 I, I mean, think people that's, are saying that. that uh, Liz Wayne said that. This is going to be so devastating to the casinos. I that don't. They're, that, but, but yet we also hear that, what, 75% of the people don't smoke. Right. That attend the casino. And you had James Green announce from the council chair yesterday that the Bozier casinos have lost 7% of their revenue and we've lost 21%. That is absolutely not true. His numbers are not true. I don't know where he's getting them from. Maybe if you go down, you hone in on one month, you could show that. But if you look over time, it's not true. All of the casinos, with the exception of Margaritaville, have seen a decline since the pandemic. They've steadily gone down. And to to put out bogus numbers like that, I think is really it, 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 it's I think it's unethical. I really do. I, I think he's walking on a real fine line when he does things like that. And then he said they promised they were going to go to Bozier and get Bozier to do the same thing. There was no such promise made that we will get Bozier to do what Shreveport does. They, wait, they, it, wait, wait, what, they, they already allow smoking in Bozier. No, he said that the people that wanted this ban said we were, we're going to get Bozier to implement the same ban. 
We're going to get the Bozier boats to do the same thing. Oh. Well, I know people said they wish they would. And they've tried. And he said they haven't even tried. And, I mean, the people that were pushing this two, two and a half, three years ago... They are so angry with Mr. Green today. One of them will join us in studio in the 8 o'clock hour. She is so upset with him. I I think Ruben might need the button for a guest today. <laughs> so, Ashley Bear, the senior program manager for the ooh, Center for Black Health and Equity. She is fired up. And, uh, yeah. She's fired up. She's going to be in studio with us. In studio. She's going to be, of course, at the meeting today. Now, there are, they're going to have a big protest before the meeting, 2 o'clock, Government Plaza, and a lot of them will be packing the chambers, and a lot of them will want to speak. And they can each speak for three minutes. This meeting, if they have a 100 people that speak for three minutes, you do the math. This meeting could go on forever. On. I went to Pack a lunch. Have pizza delivered. It's going to be a humdinger of a night. It's, mm. look, I don't smoke, but I, I generally don't go to the casinos. Right. Uh, I enjoy playing blackjack. It's not mm-hmm. that I'm, you know, it's just, I just, it's just not part of my routine. Right. I don't go so regular. it doesn't no. affect me. Mm-hmm. But I think it's a mistake. Yeah. Y- you've made a proactive move to help protect the health of these employees and patrons that don't want to be subjected to secondhand smoke. Right. And now you're going backwards. I just don't understand. I don't understand why this has come up uh, and, and why this is an issue in 2023. I There's a lot of things to follow, and we will hear about it today as everybody gets up I, to I speak. I understand money talks. Oh, they are going to be tracking the money. I'm not completely naive. But to say that the two riverboats we could – we're one of the few markets in Louisiana that's right next door to states that don't have gambling. We're next to Texas and Arkansas that don't have gambling. Um, we, our licenses will not go unused. I promise you. Right. I promise you. And to, to make that kind of threat is kind of scary. Mike and McCarty, 101. One oh one seven FM seven ten Keel Mike and McCarty. I am going to miss the crawfish contest on Friday. I, I look forward to that every year. And they're doing it different this year and, and I didn't tell you what was happening. <laughs> I hadn't told you this, but we had I had a deal, I had a side deal with Mudbug Madness. Right. Because they're doing it differently. Instead of all of us going all everybody all in. They're doing little battles like mano a mano. Well, I know they had they had tied you and I up, and we were going to do which me was going to be you. a walk for me. By right. The way. So here's what I was doing. <laughs> I mean, I could just enjoy. I know my three pounds. I know. I was just going to chill and say, keep the beer coming. <laughs> I got them to agree that you had to do it standing on your head with one arm. Yeah. And then I said, then I have a chance. Somebody'd have to hold me up. I can't stand on my head. We were going to lean you against a wall. Okay, yeah. And you were going to do it with one arm, standing on your head. Blindfolded. Yeah, I hadn't, <laughs> I hadn't negotiated blindfolded in this yet, but I was working on it. That's what it would take. Because that's what it would take for me to win. And I was going to do everything I had to do to win. But you were going to have a special weekend with your daughter. So yes, I talked to them I'm yesterday. So excited. And they're pitting me against someone... I'm not sure who it's going to be yet. 
I'm trying to figure out if I can pick like who. Like right. I want to get Chica from 94.5. I could dust her. <laughs> she doesn't even know what a crawfish is. She stomps them like roaches. You know what I mean? She has no clue. I could dust her booty. And and it would be it would be the battle of the big girls. I think it would be a good promo for the Mudbug Madness. Battle, battle of the, of the big, big girls. girls. And she would go down. <laughs> she would go down. She don't know what a crawfish is. I think she, she does. I she think try, she does. Last time I saw her eating crawfish, she was trying to eat the heads. We'll have to. People do. Some do. N- n- no. No. We'll have to get her in here and find out. Okay, we'll ask her. Mike uh, McCarty, one hundred one seven FM seventeen. Okay, I went. I went next door. I grabbed Chica, our friend. Good morning. Good morning. Or should what? I say, Buenos dias, mi amiga. Sí, señor. I hear you have a big announcement to make. <laughs> we're we're talking it? nice about you. Yeah, we were talking nice about you. I got a text saying I was. There's anyway. a big girl battle. I think the battle of the big girls might be on. We need to get with the mudbug people and say battle of the big girls is wait, on. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Okay, let me let me I, state. Last year, I won the media. Crawfish yeah. eating contest. You annihilated. You killed I, I everybody. Didn't yeah. It was horrible. <laughs> it was horrible. All of it was horrible. He inhaled. Nobody them. celebrated you, Mike Martindale. Thank you. I want to um, ask her something. Wait, hold on, hold on. Wait, yours. You first. Yeah, let him go. First. I'm. I'm not going to be there this year. But Which means I lose my crown. I, yeah. I forfeit my crown yeah, because now I'm going to have sad. to win it back. Well, they're Zero not doing people. the big group of us all going at each other. One, they're doing a mano a mano battle, like in like two people from Swepco are battling each other. They're, Isn't there going to be an overall winner? Though? I don't know if there's I an think overall. There's going to be, still be an overall. Okay, we're all we'll going to go at the same Terry time. Matthews. Yeah, we'll have to ask. She'll be in uh, Thursday. Oh, um, but I won't be here. That's okay. I'll take care of it. But they're doing little individual battles between two people, right. like they in had, the same industry or something. They like had that. originally paired McCarty and I, which would have been sad. Yes, because I I come in dead last of everybody, pretty much, and he you're wipes over there himself. playing with your food. Thank oh, I'm you. Drinking Thank my beer. You. They're like, ooh, look at you, little crawfish, and they're having little conversations. Yeah, yeah. Very awkward. So I'm thinking it's me and you, maybe. Maybe we can talk them into oh, me. Oh, that's what the big girl battle's all about. Yeah, me and you. But I want to ask her. We get, we got a few minutes left. I want to see how much she really knows about crawfish. Okay. okay? Here we okay. go. This could be fun. Be sure we record this, Ruben. This could be fun. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Wait. Ruben's like, now you tell me. So you're testing a Mexican. Cool. Yeah. I'm definitely yeah. gonna win this round. Yeah. Let's see if you're allowed in we our country. We put them in burritos. No, we don't. <laughs> no, we don't. Who lied to you? I give you a bag. Uh-huh. Uh, let's say a 30-pound bag. Yes. Of live crawfish. Yes. Cook them. Tell me how you cook them. Uh, uh, I get a big old pot. And I freaking just fuel it up. And What's in I the pot? It's boiling. Um, bo- water, okay. I put... I go and I cheat and I go to Little Red Wagon and I get their bag. <laughs> or you could go get the. Don't you do like a seafood boil that you put in there? I don't, yeah, you, you can. You throw it in there. Now, now, do you have to thump them on the head to kill them before you put them in the water? 
No. You're just going to pour live? Pour, pour I've watched this corpus? happen. I've watched this happen. Thump them on the head. <laughs> but hold funny. on. I do want you to know this whole thump them on the head thing. Every time I'm invited to a crawfish bowl, I act as the president and I pardon one crawfish. Uh, and I release him. Pardon one, you release him? Okay. Yes, and they still scare me, though, because I think they're going to bite me. Okay. They don't bite. Pinch, whatever. Same thing. He scared me. <laughs> okay, you're having a big get-together with the family, uh-huh. and you're going to tell them, y'all, we're having a crawfish boil. Yes. Are they going to freak out? The Mexican side? Oh, yes. <laughs> are they coming? Maybe two. Two would come. The rest are going to look at it and be like, this is not okay. What are you guys doing? <laughs> These are baby lobsters. Okay, this it's is, not worth it. So We can't make tacos out of this. <laughs> Sorry, that's yes, the one thing we do. Yes, you can. I, I'm telling you, I was on a romantic weekend getaway, and this poor guy didn't understand why I needed tortillas for everything. He said, we're just having breakfast. I said, you got to make your tortillas. Just, you <laughs> you know, there's such a thing as a biscuit. There's such a thing as a biscuit. Yeah. Nothing wrong Thank with tortillas you, at there's, all. There's pancakes, too, you know. Well, think of... <laughs> Listen, we can't put no crawfish on no taco, okay? <laughs> there's no such thing as crawfish tacos. Last minute, what's in the pot with sure the crawfish? Um, um, oh, you don't cook it at the same time. Gotcha good. Oh, wow. Do I get 10 points for that? That's pretty good. Okay. That's pretty what good. are you talking about, though? Burgers or what? <laughs> <laughs> I've seen people do raviolis. Um, you do potatoes, corn, and you can get a little razzle dazzle with mushrooms. Mushrooms, there you go. Sausage, sausage would be good. Sausage, down home sausage. Yeah, little lemons. Ooh, yeah. Some lemons people put okay. oranges. Yeah. We're teaching her a little bit. I've been here four or five years. I think I'm kind of Cajun now. I'm Mexican. I like to put oh. cantaloupe in it. She just said, wait, she's what? Cantaloupe. <laughs> Are you messing with me now? Okay. <laughs> Man, I'm over both of you guys. This is. Uh-uh. Big girl challenge, it's on. It's on. <laughs> I hate him going to miss it. <laughs> Stephen Wagespack, candidate for governor, going to join us after the 7 o'clock news. Mike and McCarty, 101. FM 710 Keel, Mike and McCarty. Busy morning coming up this morning. Uh, Stephen Wagesback going to be joining us after the 7 o'clock news. Uh, We've got Mike Johnson standing by also Mm -hmm. next hour as well. And then uh, we may have some fireworks coming up in the 8 o'clock hour. Boy, you don't want to miss the 8 o'clock hour. I was looking at something you put at (laughs) keelnews.com yesterday. I found this very intriguing. What is going on with empty retail space? This is pretty cool, quite frankly. I thought that was, t- I thought the same thing. There, um, There's a, a trend that's been kind of going on. The fastest growing sport in the country. If I were to ask you what is the fastest growing sport, would you be able, if you oh, read yeah. the article now, oh, yeah. now you would know. It's pickleball. Everybody, pickleball. Yeah, pickleball's been growing crazy. It's it's And it's actually been around for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's it's picked up popularity here in the past you know couple of years, 
And it it's not just, you know, it's not just the old folks. No, no. Playing, you know, playing like shuffleboard now. Right. It's... it's it's all ages. A lot of people doing it to, for their their health, their exercise, because it does keep you moving. And and there are companies now. There it, uh, there was an article that I read that said uh, a company in New Jersey was looking at doing like these pickleball courts, an indoor complex. And and when they got to pricing it out, building a brand new facility from mm-hmm. scratch was very expensive. You bet. But they ended up. Going into an, uh, a vacated Burlington retail outlet. Ooh. And, and it was cheaper to redo this existing outlet, obviously. Right. Than it was to build from scratch. So now there's companies all over the United States that are going into vacant retail outlets, especially and into malls. And kind wow. of revitalizing these these vacant retail spaces, oh, that's and of course cool. landlords and 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 you know these owners are just loving this. They're giving them cheap rent because if it's a mall specifically, if they've still got some businesses, you know, before and after you play pickleball, you might go get now a bite to eat. Now or... you're generating traffic yes. again. You've got activity, excitement going on. Hmm. Really cool. Yeah, it really is. And we've got think about the spaces we have along Uri Drive. You've got the now the Bed Bath and Beyond will be empty. Um, there's one across the street. I think that's empty. There's a lot of places, and I see them playing. The last time at the I was watching pickleball the other night, there was a line of people to get on a court. Well, and that's it at the parks mm-hmm. and things like that. People are, are are having to wait or book courts, and uh, this will open up more availability. Oh, that's cool. pretty cool. It really is cool. What yeah. a great idea. Story is on keelnews.com mm-hmm. If you'd like to read more, one zero one seven FM seven ten. One zero one seven FM seven ten Keel Mike and McCarty in studio with uh, candidate for governor Stephen Wagaspak. Good morning, Stephen. Good morning. Glad Thanks to be coming here. In. Uh, shoot, we've already had. He, he I mean, I think a little early, now, right? so yeah. we, <laughs> we can't really talk about what we were talking yeah. about off the air. <laughs> That's more for the you have to you have to pay the extra for the yeah. un, unedited version, unedited. Yeah. Well, uh, so how's the campaign going? Fantastic. I mean, the, the truth is, we're about two months into this campaign that I announced I run for governor, and I've been in my car pretty much every single day since then, driving around the state, and we're getting great response. I mean, we got to look. Our message is pretty clear. I, I I got in this race for one simple reason. I am sick and tired of watching Louisiana waste our potential. I'm sick and tired of watching families leave for other states mm-hmm. no quite frankly no region understands that more than this one i mean how many good people families businesses etc have migrated to texas over the years and i think we are at a crossroads moment for louisiana i think if we can fix some things we can get to the other southern states that are winning right now and if we if we blink in this moment and miss this opportunity then i worry that we uh we fall in a place where it's hard to ever recover from so that's why i got in and we're getting great response around the state fix some things yeah let's start there let's go with it what's at the top of your fix list you know it's really if you want to stop the brain drain you first of all you got to keep people here and then you got to recruit new people okay so let's break that down why are we losing people it's opportunity right and so we have to better prepare kids in schools and get them ready for the jobs of today. That means doubling down on career and technical education and relevancy to workforce and preparing kids for the jobs of today. That's one thing. Two, we've got to get government out of people's lives as much as we can, allow businesses to do what they do best, allow families to control their own kids' futures, et cetera, kind of get the reach of government, that kind of tentacle that Huey Long created a long time ago, get it out of people's
people's lives, whether you're a business or an individual. That's one thing. Three, you got to fix this crime issue. Every region is feeling it, seeing it. you got to take the folks that we know are causing problems off the streets. And once they're off the streets, you remediate whoever you can. Well, and, and you, we and you, you incarcerate whoever you can't. Mm-hmm. And you got to kind of triage them. But the first step is getting the element that's causing the problems off the streets. Um, so safe communities, growing communities with jobs and infrastructure, and educated communities. Preparing kids for whatever their true pathway is. Not every kid is destined for college. But if a kid is destined to be productive in a, in a job, in a workforce, start using high schools by bringing in that technical training, bringing in that soft skills, bringing in whatever it takes to get kids ready to launch into productivity coming out of high school. Because too many kids launch out of high school onto the couch or onto a life of crime because we haven't done a good enough job of preparing them for whatever their true pathway is here. So I think it's education, preparation of kids, stop the cycle of drift to Texas or drift to crime. I think that's the big thing we got to do first. There's a measure before the lawmakers. Lawmakers, It's been there a couple of times before to let me, you, anybody that wants to carry a concealed weapon, carry one without a permit. I can just go and I can carry it in my purse wherever I want to go. Uh, the governor is threatening again to veto it. Uh, would Stephen Wagespach veto that bill? You know, I'm a pro-Second Amendment candidate. I'm a big believer in that. I don't think that gun control is going to stop the cycle of crime we have. And so I'm not opposed to that effort. Um, I don't I don't see me having a strong a veto position on that. So I think I would sign it. Um, I'd want to look at the bills that got to my desk. You hate to make decisions before you're on that in that spot. Mm-hmm. I'd want to see the final legislation. But I definitely come in with a very pro-Second Amendment position, and I would review every bill like that. I think the key to making our community safe is not gun control. It's crime control. And the way you have crime control is you figure out who's causing the problem. You take them off the streets. And once they're off the streets, you remediate who you can. You incarcerate everyone else. And that's how you keep communities safe. There's a lot of discussion here in Shreveport, Bozier, about, and we don't like to hear it, but as goes New Orleans, so goes the rest of the state. Mm -hmm. My friend groups, lots of other people have said, I'm not going to New Orleans anymore. It's not happening. It's too dangerous down there. How do you work with an administration like we have in New Orleans now that seems to be soft on crime, that is scaring people away from our state. Yeah, and look, if you're not from New Orleans, it's very easy for folks in Louisiana to say, oh, that's New Orleans, let them do what they want, et cetera, et cetera. The truth is, if we're going to be a state that's growing, we need New Orleans to be its best potential. We Mm -hmm. do. We, We can't let them just wither on the vine. We cannot. And right now, that's what's happening right now. Crime is out of control. If, you, if you're in New Orleans, areas that you used to go, people who would go to New Orleans and, hey, let's go to the French Quarter and go to a, a nice restaurant and go ha- have a good time out there. People don't do that anymore because they're, they're scared of that. Um, if you're in New Orleans, there's these, like, dirt bike, uh, four-wheeler, I don't know if you call them gangs or whatever, mm-hmm. that go all over the place that, you know, create challenges and problems. You, you see that when someone is arrested, they're released almost the next day. There's all kind of problems over there. And so, look, it is tough because at the end of the day, crime is a local issue. You need local leaders to be strong on it. The state is a good support entity. But obviously, we can't depend on that in all this way. So a couple things I think the state can do. First of all, I think as governor, I'd want to double down on technology. Right now, what I hear from law enforcement when I talk to them, here's their biggest problem. We, they need crime cameras. They need license plate readers. They need body cams. They need all the technology to make sure that if they do capture someone, that they have the evidence to take them off the streets because people are scared to testify right now. Technology can help with that. The the second thing is, you know, we're a couple hundred troopers down at the state police level. That's when I talk to them. We have to do training academies as soon as possible. We have to put more troopers on the streets. And I'd like to create some type of like hotspot unit, similar to what Rudy Giuliani did back in the day to clean up New York City and have a unit that basically is going to go to hotspots.
hotspot areas. And if crime is rising in the French Quarter or in Baton Rouge or across the street here at the radio station, wherever it is, we can send white police cars, we can send blue uh, police uniforms, that state trooper presence, and we can supplement local law enforcement. I think that's a big deal. The third thing you hear is coming out of COVID. When a lot of these kids were sent home from the schools, quite frankly, a lot of the gangs recruited some of these kids. And so these police officers, they tell me, it's like, look, that 14 to 19-year-old age, they're picking up a lot of kids. Those are a lot of the kids who are running from the blue lights when they go on. And if they catch those kids, there's no juvenile facilities anywhere to bring them. And so they end up being released, and the gangs know it. And that's why they keep using the same uh, front-end people to do a lot of this work. And so we have to – what a state can do also is help supplement to find those juvenile facilities where you can bring some of these kids, take them off the streets, and then figure out, okay, this kid is actually creating the crimes of an adult and they need to be treated like that. This kid needs training, drug treatment, mental health, whatever, and give that kid something to where they can get out of that life of crime. So, mm-hmm. But the first step is you got to help locals the best you can. That's technology. That's supplementing with, I think, with a hotspot unit. And that's helping find regional facilities where they can bring juvenile offenders. Because if you talk to anyone in law enforcement, they'll say that is a huge issue. It's juvenile offenders, and there's nowhere to bring them, so they get released the next day. And mm-hmm. that cycle continues every single day. We've got to take a break. Can you hold on with us? Yeah, absolutely. Let's talking with Stephen Waggis back. I want to talk a little economic development coming up yeah, so after the break. Mike and McCarty, 101. One oh one seven FM seven ten Keel Mike and McCarty in studio with Stephen Wagesback, candidate for governor. Stephen, we got we've got some exciting things happening in North Louisiana, specifically in our area. Um, the Amazon plant still on track, as far as we know. Aaron and I took a tour. They're planning on opening. Uh, we've got development going on now at the at the uh, former GM plant. We've got a lot of exciting things happening, but it seems like. North Louisiana just gets forgotten about when when it comes to allocation of funds statewide. And I understand the popu- there's a heavy population mm-hmm. in New Orleans and Baton Rouge, but there is more of the state north of I-10. And are, would you concentrate on helping North Louisiana get a fair share when we look at the uh, the LSU health system? I mean, there's a lot of issues that we seem to get short shrifted on there's no doubt I, it, it's 100 right and look you hear it every time i'm up here and, and as you all know look this is not my first time on this show i've been up here a ton over the last several mm-hmm. years because in my previous job i was in my car up here a good bit because it is an area of the state that doesn't get the attention it deserves and look let's be honest the race for governor every governor candidate is from that southern part of the state and so you need to take a good look at which candidates have spent a lot of time up here and which have spent a lot of time up here before the election and look i've been up here a ton over the last several years getting to know this region. The truth is there's tremendous potential in this opportunity. And the good news is what this area needs for economic development is similar to the rest of the state. You know, we talked earlier a little bit about kind of preparing people uh, in the high school and kind of brushed into that. I got to tell you, it's the most important issue facing every area of this state. Um, If you think about it, Kids are not prepared to go to work. We've been kind of talking about a little bit in the commercial side. Too many kids are not prepared. We call it soft skills. The truth of the day, no one's taught manners anymore. Mentors are not in a lot of households these days. Kids go into school and they come out unprepared for jobs, unprepared to know what hard work is. If we can fix that, 
We can go recruit around the nation and bring industry and jobs here. Yeah, the Amazon facility is really cool. But the truth is, if you want more manufacturing here, you have to go and tell a company, if we can just not not only provide you good land and good tax structure, we can also provide you people that will show up for work, not quit after three weeks, want to work more than three shifts a week, show up drug-free. And I think we can do that if we do a better job of performing how our high schools prepare kids. I think Shreveport could be... We could be another Dallas. 100%. We're not capitalizing. I mean, geographically, look at what we have as an advantage. Uh, I twenty going east west from from Dallas. You got and great Point infrastructure west. corridors. It, you, we've we, got we the are, port it's prime for a warehousing and distribution center. Prime for it because what what you hear if you talk to site selectors, they'll look at states around the country and they say if you give us a facility, a, a land that's affordable that has a workforce around it, and that's near infrastructure. Maybe it's rail, maybe it's road, maybe it's river, and you get within five miles of that, all of that, you got all of it. So you've got basically the three-legged stool sitting here ready to be utilized, and you've got land. If we can fix that people spot, then you can go and recruit those, you know, and you need that big anchor tenant. Amazon is one example. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden you get the big anchor tenant, and that's where the support services come in. If you go to the successful areas of the South, let's say the Research Triangle in North Carolina, people always talk about, oh, that's a higher ed story. That's not the higher ed story up there. The the, the success of the Research triangle, triangle is the industry that has gone in there and built headquarters that hire people coming out of those schools. If you get those anchor tenants, that's where the ripple effect of everything else that happens. And then, look, you've got great potential here, not just what you mentioned, but also things like Cyber Command. you mm-hmm. got you got a, a Medical school up here. You got a great health investment up here. Um, you've got a lot of potential. And all of a sudden, if you get a president in D.C. who actually likes American energy again, if we can shift that back to pro-American energy, think about what this Haynesville area can do and really just boom on on investment opportunities. So there's tremendous potential here with the right governor, a change in D.C., and and a, and a focused approach on preparing kids for success. No matter whether they're ready for college or career, doesn't matter. If we really can make our high schools launch pads for every kid, I think the first state to figure that out is the next state to start dominating the American economy. Stephen, the Revenue Estimating Conference came out recently with some new projections. Um, Two billion is the number I saw over the over the. They're tripping over cash in the state capital yes. these days. Why aren't we among the best? Our budget's gone from twenty nine billion when this governor started to forty five billion. Why aren't we among the best? We. we I'm, I'm mystified by that. It drives me crazy, to be quite honest. Well, look, because lots of states have surpluses right now, okay? And not every state has a growing economy. In fact, in the South right now, if you look at the national economy, southern states are dominating population growth and economic growth. There's only one southern state in the, in the top ten in losing people and losing jobs, and it's us coming out of COVID. So we're an outlier in the South. And all the surpluses in the capital, let's be clear what that is. That is not a sign of economic growth. That is a sign of the taxes that were raised early in this term that are coming home to roost and the funny money that the feds spent all over the country that is rolling through the economy and rolling through state capitals. That's why it's a mirage surplus. So is it cool to have a surplus? Yes, it's cool. Everyone likes a surplus, right? Because you can invest in stuff. But the truth is don't mistake that for a strong economy and don't mistake that for three years from now, the surpluses are going to be there. So they have to be smart. And so, yes, I do like the cautious approach that they're debating right now. If you're going to spend some of that, it's got to be in one-time expenses, infrastructure, some of the law enforcement things we talked about. I would love to see them to use some of that that surplus on technology to support police. I would love to see some of that surplus used to build some of these juvenile facilities needed in regions or match local investment on that so we can get some of these young offenders off the streets 
some into treatment, some into permanent incarceration if they can't be facilitated, uh, re- rehabilitated. That's a good use for surplus right now. What about schools and teachers and paying them more? They do, they're doing it a little different way. They're paying down the yeah. retirement debt. Um, and then s- sending that money to the locals. Would you prefer them give direct salary increases to teachers? Look, I, I think it's good that they have the debate going on. So I think there's different ways to skin this cat. I do like the approach, though, of giving local areas more flexibility on how to implement that raise. And let me tell you why. Because every region's needs are different. In Louisiana, we always expect, we always complain about the state capital doing everything for us. And then when we try to give local discretion, people say, oh, what are you doing? That's not fair. We have to trust locals to make the best decisions. Some areas need to recruit math and science teachers. Some areas need to bring new guidance counselors in. Some te- some areas need to do across-the-board raises to protect their current workforce. Every region has different strengths and weaknesses. Why wouldn't we want to give that flexibility to regions? So the fact that they're paying down debt freeing up dollars that every local has to do and allows those local districts to decide how to utilize their raise, I think that's smart policy. Are you speaking anywhere in – I just got a text. Are you speaking anywhere in town today where public can come see you? Yeah, if, if there is someone on that text that wants me to come talk to me, send me their address. I'll be glad to, <laughs> to talk to them. I do not have a public speaking engagement okay. today, but, man, I will be glad to go hang out and have you're, coffee. You're lined up with you. meetings and, and Yeah, it's all internal meetings. I'm going yeah. – one of the meetings I'm, I'm going to visit with Barksdale and really get a better feel for not just the great potential of that, uh, that area, but also um, how we can help it from a state perspective and, and facilitate it. Uh, meeting with local business folks, try to get you know their perspective on the ground. How can we create more jobs in this region? But look, this is not my last time in this area, and it's mm-hmm. not my first time in this area. I spent all day yesterday in Monroe and West Monroe and Ruston. I'll be here all day. I'm, you're going to see me and hear from me a lot in North Louisiana. Mm-hmm. This is a priority for me in this campaign. It will be a priority for me as governor. And once I'm elected, trust me, don't expect me to hang out in that big White House behind the fence in Baton Rouge. I'm going to be up here a lot. You'll be sick of seeing me in this area. <laughs> You'll still take my calls? Absolutely. Wow. Well, that'd be unique. <laughs> now, your text, we got to talk about that. But your calls, we <laughs> <Yeah>. can take. <laughs> Those 415 you up texts. You up texts. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, he's gotten a you up text. I've gotten a you up. I know. <laughs> One time I got him like, yes, but I'm in a duck blind right now. I, I, cannot, sure do a radio, I cannot do a radio show right now. <laughs> Stephen Waggis back in studio. Mike and McCarty, thanks for coming in this morning. Thanks, guys. I appreciate, I appreciate it. it. Good yeah, luck. Have a great Stay day. safe on your travels. What a win. One hundred one seven FM, seven ten Keel, Mike and McCarty, and uh, we've got uh, Congressman Mike Johnson on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline going to join us right after the break. You don't want to miss it. One oh one seven FM seven ten Keel Mike and McCarty on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline. My favorite congressman Mike Johnson joining us. Michael, good morning, sir. Hey brother, good to hear your voice. You too. Thank you for joining us. Look, I gotta talk about this. This is really ticking me off. Does Joe Biden not realize that there's a triumphant in power? He doesn't hold sole authority that our government was set up, uh three equal branches of the government uh you know what he needs to be reminded of basic civics and and the fact that it's truly hypocritical for him to take the positions he is now you know we're talking about the debt ceiling negotiations yes that's what i'm talking about 
yeah, he's been MIA, right, for more than 100 days. Um, he's been he's been so busy, you know, since we brought this up in early February, everybody knows we're coming to a cliff. But but instead of engaging uh, in, in negotiations and sitting at the table, going through the normal process, he was out doing other things. He was, you know, hosting TikTok influencers at the White House and pushing DEI and, you know, advancing his uh, visiting his relatives in Ireland. I mean, he was doing everything except his job here. And now we're at the cliff and it's a very dangerous situation. Explain in real simple terms, Congressman Johnson, the increasing of the debt ceiling, how critical a problem this would be. Well, there's a lot being written and said about this, but the long and short of it is that we're, we're, we're trying to raise the debt limit to ensure that we can pay the obligations of the United States that have already been authorized, right? And since the Constitution was enacted, you know, in the 18th century, we have never been in a moment where we're this close to quite literally defaulting on debts of the country. Uh, no one wants that. Everybody understands how dangerous it is because not only would it tip us very likely into a full-scale recession, it would also drive up interest rates for consumers and everything from your home to the uh, groceries you buy on, off the shelves. Um, it would it would have a cascading effect, many economists believe, across the world's economy. I mean, the U.S. is metaphorically and literally the gold standard, right? We are the world's reserve currency. We are the safest haven for investors. Uh, U.S. bonds and treasury notes and they have always been uh, the haven for those things. And all of that is jeopardized. And, and even more than that, y'all, even if you ignore the economic toll, it's the toll that this would take on our sort of reputation, right? Our status around the world. We well, that's are already been just damaged. Well, it, it has. And, you know, we've talked about this a lot on, on the show because we're projecting weakness from the White House. Mm-hmm. Now we're projecting instability. And it's a really dangerous thing for everybody. And that's why the president has to come to his senses and negotiate with the House. We did our job. Congressman, we, we passed the bill over a month ago. I yep. remember in, in 1999, everybody was freaking out that the computers, when they rolled over to 2000, they weren't going to recognize the zero zeros and it was going to cause catastrophes and mayhem. It didn't happen. Now they're saying right. if we don't pass, if we don't get a deal made and pass this debt ceiling agreement, that it's there's going to be mayhem and disaster. But this is actually more realistic, isn't it? Well, it is. I mean, uh, Janet Yellen is the Treasury Secretary. She's Which been is on scary in itself. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole other thing we could talk about. But she held, she holds the position. She's been on Capitol Hill the last several days in a row testifying before committee. She's written us letters and said, listen, this is not a, a, a drill. This is quite real. And come June 1, which is a projected date, and maybe it's three or four days beyond that, but at some point she will stop paying the obligations, effectively stop paying the bills of the U.S. Just just the simple triggering of that, even if it was for a day, would would – I think really harm the confidence of the world in our stature and our strength and our economy. And that's why this is so, so dangerous. Um, look, I, I'm an optimist. Okay. I, I think that we can get through this. There are positive signs as recently as last night, you know, McCarthy, Speaker McCarthy went and met with uh, President Biden. They're going to talk each day, but what's made this so frightening and completely unnecessary and totally foreseeable, by the way, if the president had come to the table and we'd had these tough discussions, a few months ago, we wouldn't be in this situation. Is anybody talking? To is anybody really seriously talking about cutting spending? 
There are a few Republicans, but I, I, there's a lot of talk from the president and his group about raising taxes, um, and that seems to be That's the go-to. Crazy. That's crazy. We are not raising taxes. We will die on that hill. You can't raise taxes on hardworking families in the middle of a near recession. I mean, that would be do more harm to the economy. And, Aaron, we're not just talking about spending cuts. We've actually passed it. The, the, the Limit Save Grow Act of 2023 that we passed a month ago out of the House, House Republicans, no Democrat votes, by the way, is the biggest spending cut in American history, $4.8 trillion in reforms to reckless federal spending. You know, the, the Democrats and, and people in charge of Washington for decades now have been have been drunk on this tax and spend philosophy where they just continue to tax the people and grow the size and scope of government. It is not sustainable. We're about to hit a $31.8 trillion debt, national debt limit, and we've talked before many times about how dangerous that is. The greatest national security threat to us is our debt. Before China, Russia, Iran, North Korea, it's the debt. Because if we can't fund our nation's defense, then we're not yeah. secure. And I don't think this people really understand simple. that. Talking right. with Congressman Mike Johnson. And now here's a stupid question before we move on. When when McCarthy and Biden are meeting, is it just the two of them in a room by themselves? Or does Biden have a team with him? Does McCarthy bring in a team? Is it just the two of them? Well, the initial meetings that you saw last week, week four, were, were just for show. It was sort of you know, right. a ceremonial thing. But I mean the actual when they're talking. Right. Well, there's two different levels. There are, there are negotiators appointed by both who are in a, meet, in a meeting trying to hash this out. They've broken up, come back together. It's kind of a mess. But the real deal at the end of the day, and I've encouraged Kevin, I've encouraged Speaker McCarthy to go in, and it should be, it should be the Speaker of the House and the President of the United States. Those are the two figures with authority. We should not be punting to other people at the end of the day. And I think Kevin's resolved to do that. He's, he's demanding it. He's going to have one-on-one meetings with the president from here on out. We've only got a few days, guys, and and this is serious stuff. One more thing. Senator Kennedy weighed in on the Louisiana issue the other day. I'm curious about how you feel, uh, saying that Louisiana law, proposed law to hold third graders back if they can't read. He begged Louisiana lawmakers to pass that bill. Do you feel the same? I do. I, I think he's talking about House Bill 12 that did pass the House. Mm-hmm. Um you know, my, my wife, Kelly, y'all may remember, it, we used to be a second and fourth grade teacher, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, I have educators throughout my family. This is really serious to me. I think when you socially promote children, as we do repeatedly all the time in Louisiana, you do great harm to that child in the long run. Because at some point, they can't catch up. They can't catch up. Now, the bill, I think, is very sensible. What I saw is that they want to, if they can identify these kids, they're going to give them extra help to see if they can pass. We don't want to hold anybody back, but you do the child a disservice if you do it if they're not ready. Um, and so they would assign special tutors. They would give special attention to the child. I mean, it's a whole-scale effort. They're, they modeled the bill, by the way, guys, after legislation that passed in other states, which increased outcomes for the kids. I mean, we've got to think outside the box. I think we need to do the same. Mm-hmm. And this idea that it's the, the teacher's fault, I don't think that's fair. I, I'm, I'm very passionate about this issue because – as in any vocation or profession, of course, you got some bad apples among teachers, yeah, but there's also some very heroic people in those classrooms, and they're working with mighty headwinds that have never been in existence in previous generations. You know, I mean, you've got societal and social problems that are the root of all these deficiencies, broken homes and an epidemic of fatherlessness and all the rest. And these teachers are going into classrooms with kids who are completely ill-equipped. They're not getting anything at home. And let's not so forget the pandemic. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And the mm-hmm. pandemic set everything, everybody back further. So I, I agree with Senator Kennedy and, and my colleagues, former colleagues down in the Louisiana House, the conservatives who are pushing this. I think we've got to do 
dramatic things. This mm-hmm. may be one of them. Congressman Mike Johnson, thank you for your time this morning. We know you're busy, but uh, always welcome on the show. You got it, my friends. Good talk to you. Thank you so much. 1017. One zero one seven FM seven ten Keel. I'm glad the cameras aren't working. By Boy, the way, me too. Holy cow! <laughs> I just have to say. So all my, my makeup, you can't see all my gorgeous makeup. I know, Mike and McCarty. My lipstick is on just right. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, you know, we had a change yesterday. We heard the news of Sam. Uh, Sam, good God, I do that Boy, all the time. You're, Chris, you're going back, Chris Giordano, uh, leaving the state fair. And I got here this morning, and I got to thinking. I've heard from so many people who have stopped going to the state fair. And now we're going to have a new leadership. What is it going to take for you to go back to the state fair? Aaron, I I said yesterday, Mm -hmm. and I will say it again today, that whoever comes in, whomever, whoever, Mm -hmm. whomever comes in, that's their first and right now only priority Mm -hmm. is security at the fair. And honestly, I don't know what it's going to take. You brought up actually moving the fair. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, And... Because we hear, we've got messages on the Shreveport Security Systems message board. We've both gotten texts from people. Absolutely. I'm not taking my family. A Mm -hmm. Shreveport police officer, you know, messaged us. Look, I carry all the time. I'm not taking my family to the fair. Yeah, exactly. There's a poll at keelnews.com right now. We'd like to, your opinion, what will it take for you to attend the state fair? Got got a few options. You can put your own in. Uh, Better security. Lower prices. More entertainment, new location, or something else? Give us your answers. Curious about what it's going to take for you to come back to the state fair. Because I know a lot of us went, but we quit going. We got to revitalize that state fair. I know the Rev Entertainment plan would be great, and that could help. But we still have security issues that people say, I'm just not going to take the family down there. I don't feel safe. They got to fix that elephant. I mean, it's a big elephant in the room. No Absolutely. doubt about it. No uh, doubt. About of course, it. there are issues. You know, the economy right now, people struggling to to make ends meet, and the, those disposable dollar income is is a lot less. But I I don't think that's the issue with people mm-hmm. not going to the fair. Right. Right. So we'll have to wait and see. Find out, Mike and McCarty. Uh, Ashley Abair going to be joining us just after the local news. Mike and McCarty want to. I don't, I don't know if you can say that. Can we and say don't that? Don't give me that. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> that mental image. She's going to have to take a deep breath before going on the air today. Mike and McCarty, 1017 <laughs> FM, 710 Kiel. I'm looking forward to this. She loves Shreveport. Ashley Abear, she's the uh, senior program manager for the Center for Black Health and Equity. Good morning. Good morning. And Anjul, Anjul is also in here with us, mm-hmm. but she says she's here for moral support. She's and you, with and the American for Nonsmokers Rights. And you were also with the American Heart Association yes. when we went through this drill two, three years ago. Yes. So this ain't your first rodeo. City Council is proposing lifting the ban on smoking at the casinos. You're helping lots of folks try to stop that. Is it a done deal, do you think? I never want to think it's a done deal. We are here. We're going to come out in full force today. We've had uh, casino workers that have been in contact with us. We've had uh, medical professionals. We're going to have our day today. 
I don't want to say it, it's not done until those lights are, are pushed. Now, yesterday, James Green quoted figures. Um, <laughs> Calm down, Ashley. <laughs> I'm going to be nice. I'm going to be nice. Chairman don't make Ruben Council. press the button. <laughs> no, go ahead. I, I don't. I, I, it's, it hasn't happened since I've been here. So. Yeah. Uh, Aaron, Aaron doesn't know where he got those figures. Aaron says those figures aren't true. What say you? Um, I would love to have a conversation with him on where he got those numbers because we have provided accurate casino revenue figures to the entire council. We're happy to have a conversation. I mean, it is true that uh, casinos in Louisiana are down in revenue, including Bossier, including Shreveport. It's a statewide trend. But what they're not telling you is that Bally Shreveport was the lone casino in the state, the state of Louisiana, to gain revenue last month. They're up 12% to the tune of $9 million. Bally's is one of the Shreveport casinos, if you don't know. Um, He also talked about you guys came before them three years ago and you promised to get Bozier to do the same thing. Did you make that promise? Um, I never made that promise but the thing is public health policy takes time baton rouge lafayette new orleans these take years to pass and we are happy to update him on our progress but we could you know spend more time in bozier if we weren't in shreveport every year fighting something that was already passed what's motivating this ashley a bear money this is all money money driven who's, Not, who's getting the money and who's paying it you know i'm gonna be nice <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> but, no. you know, follow the money. It's n- it's not going to improvements in the casino. It's not going to um, upgrades because, you know, we spent some time in the casinos while we've been up here. They look very much the same. Now, you said you, you were just in some of the casinos yesterday. Yes. Did you talk to some of the workers and what are, what are their sentiments? So not last night. We wanted to kind of be flies on the wall, but okay. we have had uh, some staff that have had conversations in the last few days. And, you know, they feel they're being told that they will lose their jobs. They're being told that, uh, one, stay out of if, politics. If the smoking ban is not lifted, yes, they will lose their jobs. Yes. And they're also being told to stay out of politics. So not t- not come and talk today. That's what they're being told. Okay, you and I both know that what is the demographic of the casino workers when we walk into the casinos these days? These employees look like me. They are black women who are already, uh, you know, predisposed to cardiovascular disease, stroke, cancer, and you know, they're putting their health at risk every day. You know, just because you don't believe in science doesn't make it wrong. Secondhand smoke literally kills. What do you say to those who say Shreveport could lose these riverboats if we don't lift this ban? That is a knee-jerk reaction to casino revenue, which is already very cyclical. I think you need to give this time to show uh, positive public health outcomes just like anything else. If we were passing a tax, you were going to wait a minute to collect the tax and see how much we had, right? Let's mm-hmm. do the same with this. Public health is equally important. City council meeting scheduled 3 o'clock this afternoon. Is that yeah. correct? 3 o'clock today. You guys are having a rally, though, right? Yes, we are. 2 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Now, steps. citizens will have, uh, each citizen that wants to speak will have three minutes. Do you guys, are you guys planning on uh, packing the court, if you will? Yes, we, we want it standing room only. 
come and, early. And everybody that wants to speak, you want them to get up and speak, or do y'all do y'all have kind of a a plan on here's who's going to go when and and talk about what? So we are happy to help you, you know, navigate that process. You know, not everybody does this for a living, but um, you get there, you sign a speaker form, and you have to turn that into the clerk on time we can help you do that make sure it's done correctly can't you register online to speak too you can also do that mm-hmm. now the 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 argument from some that uh and tabitha taylor we have the audio clip who, who in her last vote said our word is our bond um that apparently has changed for her do you think that this is a 5-2 vote do you think you have a council member you might can sway uh, what are you? I know you're talking to all of them. That will take your call. Uh, yeah, it has been hard to get some on the phone. You know, I think that I appreciate the time that some have taken to listen. Um, we have some non-committal though. Either way, so you know, we'll see what happens. We'll go in and put our, our best foot forward. Though we're going to go in hard now, today. We spoke to the mayor yesterday, and we asked him about this. And Aaron made a great point. If he would say, "Look, if if." If we only have four, I'll veto this mm-hmm. and put it to bed. And, if, if and y'all don't have to show up that, today. And then you, and then it would be, would be a, a, a dead issue, and it wouldn't uh, wouldn't come. Out. Have you spoken with the mayor at all? It has been difficult to reach him. Um, we would love to sit down and talk about how you know he can be a leader on this. If he were to come out and say, "Hey, I think this is the wrong way to go," I'm hoping we can get a fourth council member. Because we know there's going to be at least three that are going to vote to lift the ban. Right. And if we could get a fourth, I can veto it. There's not enough to override. You need five to override his veto. So it would be a done deal. Um, but he's staying noncommittal. Are you surprised? No. No. Um, at this point, nothing in this surprises me. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of the day, we have provided the council with what they've asked for. They asked for casino employees. They asked for the data. They asked us to, you know, plead our side. And we have done that. At this point, it's do you believe us or do you, do you believe casino execs over public health agencies? And hasn't Bally's actually opened a, a patio with slot machines where people can go play on slots and smoke, haven't they? Yes, they have. Um, we did visit it uh, last night. And that's state law allows them to have gaming outside so not everyone not every casino in this area has made those those improvements to their properties bally's has and we can see they're up can you stay with us because i have some more questions about bozier when we get back yes okay in studio with uh ashley a bear with the uh center for black health and equity going to uh we'll be back after this break mike One oh one seven FM seven ten Keel, Mike and McCarty in studio with Ashley A. Bear with the Center for Black Health and Equity, uh opposing lifting the smoking ban at the local casinos. Ashley, thanks again for coming in. We appreciate your passion this morning. Thank you. You've thank been you. very good, by the way. You have. <laughs> I'll stay that way. She's sitting on her hands. <laughs> okay, you haven't gone to Bozier, you haven't asked Bozier to implement this. If I listen to James Green, you have done nothing about getting Bozier to have a smoking ban in the casinos. True? Well, clearly that's not true. But focusing on what we're here for, you are elected in Shreveport. Um, we will, we, you know, have continued to do our due diligence. We, we are a statewide coalition. We're doing the best we can. We are volunteer-run 
organization. People have jobs. People, you know, this is not their nine to five. Um, so we never promised that this would happen. But the thing is, it takes time. Give us the time to do that. You've actually approached Bozier. Yes. And to this point, they're not ready to move on that, correct? Not, not ready. But like I said, you know, we have had lots of conversation. We continue to have conversation. Um, you don't move people in a day. You don't. Mm-hmm. So what do you say to, uh, and I'm not going to name names, but I know a casino worker um, who's not going to come today. She has COPD. She's never smoked a cigarette a day in her life. She has to keep working. She's a single mom. Um, what do you say to these council members when they think about this woman? How much is her life worth to you? I mean, that's really it. Um, she's there putting her life on the line, her family's life on the line every day. How how, how could that not move you as a, a lawmaker? I think that we have to we have to do better by by the men and women that work in these the gaming industry. We can do better. Secondhand smoke does not have to be there. If you could remove the risk, why wouldn't you do it? But they will say. You'll remove their jobs completely if you don't lift the ban. No, no. And then the the wording of this ordinance is, is really sticky, too. They have this 25% thing. So we're creating a shared space for smoking and smoke-free. It's It doesn't work. It absolutely doesn't work. Remember in the day, you may be too young, it, you had a smoking section in the restaurant. You had a non-smoking section. <laughs> and sometimes they were literally, uh, it was a wall. that was like, you know, your your waist high and mm-hmm. you'd be at the table on this side of the right. wall. And then there'd be smoking on the other side of the little right. wall. And it's like, oh, but but they're in the smoking section. So it was okay. It, it was just absurd. And I think it's the same way with this. You, okay. So you're going to set off a section for smokers, but... The yes. smoke is, I can, when, when we have smoke, I, I can tell when there's smoke nearby. Yes. And let me say it before they do. Um, will they have filtration systems? No. Filtration systems remove the, the nuisance of the smell, not the toxins from the air. So let's go ahead and throw that out the window now. It's the shared, shared air. I also heard, heard, uh, Council Chairman Green say this will allow smoking only on one floor of the casino, but that's not what the ordinance says. No. The ordinance says 25% of your gaming space can have smoking. If they choose to do it on one floor, they choose to, but that's, this doesn't mandate they do it that way. Right. If we're saying we need smoking on one floor, I think we have bigger problems here. If that is what we're going to say will keep a casino open, we got bigger problems. Mm-hmm. Come on. Okay. Um, this is going to be a fight to the end today. How many people are you anticipating will get up to speak? And are you concerned that they're not listening, that they've already made up their mind, and you're just going through the motions? I, I don't want to say that because I do believe in the process. I do believe that advocacy works. I mean, we've done this twice already. So I'm going to I'm gonna sell, tell everyone that's on the fence of coming tonight, come. If you need help, we'll help you. It'll be okay. And we are expecting quite a few speakers today. It, it's hard for us to... To, to look at it objectively because mm-hmm. we've seen so much negative and, and it's very easy to adopt the attitude. It's a done deal. You know, we're, we're spitting in the wind here. And so why waste the effort? A lot of people think that way about just casting a vote in mm-hmm. an election. You can't think that way. 
you have to fight for what you believe in. 100%. We're here for those that can't speak for themselves. What other markets have banned smoking in the casinos? You're on top of that. It's New Orleans. It's Baton Rouge. What else? Um, Lafayette doesn't have gaming, but they have you know, poker. They have um, mm-hmm. bingo. Um, it's 30, 35, 34 municipalities. It's about mm-hmm. 20% of the population of louisiana is covered by a comprehensive smoke-free ordinance so so this is repealed say this is repealed tomorrow morning you can allow smoking then the the uh the the bar association the and i don't mean legal i mean restaurants and bars are going to go hey 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 we we want this now we've got a lobby together right and then and now and where does it stop when, when and then restaurants stop? are going to go, okay, well, hey, we want to allow Ashley this. Ashley comes back to Shreveport again. You know, y'all must like seeing me, you know, <laughs> <laughs> since I got to haul my cookies up the street. I mean, seriously, because then you don't have a leg to stand on anymore. No. You, you're, you've, you've opened that door. You've said it's okay to, to allow smoking in public again. Yes. Um, I would expect the video poker industry to, you know, say something. I would expect the bar owners to say something because we're creating this parity between Riverboat casinos and other industries. But at the end of the day, these are all workplaces Mm -hmm. which should be smoke-free. What is the truth, too? We're hearing different sides about we would be the only community to roll back a smoking ban. I've heard that there are some that have rolled it back, but maybe not in a casino. Um, What do you know about that? Have you done the research? Um, what we're finding and what we, we know is that be the only community to do so, especially with, a with gaming mm-hmm. as well. Um, there is a report from, uh, Helena, Montana. They did a, a heart study from before and after their, uh, ordinance was repealed and it shows, uh, increase in heart attacks. I mean, since then, this is an older study since then, you know, they have, um, put new policies in place, but. We'd definitely be the only one in Louisiana. We'd definitely be the only one in recent times to do this. I, don't, I think Shreveport has a lot of potential. Let's not roll back. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I say. Why? It, it's been in effect for a couple of years, a little over a year now. Yeah, August will be two years. Why? Why has mm-hmm. this come back up? Why is it? Why all of a sudden? Why are we? Why are we even talking about it again? Why? You know, you you've got to ask. You do have to ask. Um, what what brought this up? Follow the money. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's because you promised to get Bozier to do it, and, and then they haven't done it. That's what James Green wanted you to believe yesterday. And I, I don't want to say don't believe your councilman, but I'm. I can tell you that that's not that's not accurate. You know, we're we, from the government. We're here to help you. <laughs> right. We want good policy throughout the state of Louisiana. We understand the fears, the anxieties about Bozier being right there. No one can see this line to know which which casino goes where, belongs to which city. So it it should be statewide. It should. And you know what? We're working on that. Ashley, thank you for coming in this morning. We appreciate it. We will we'll be following this closely. Statewide would be the answer. Let's rock on that. If this happens, let's rock on that one. 1017 FM.
And this is even worse than I was thinking when you talk about the percentage of Mm -hmm. smoking area versus non-smoking area. I thought it would be a 25% area that uh, you would, they would be allowed to smoke, but you, you're saying the language is. Yeah, I just got the language. It's 75% where you'd be allowed to smoke. 75% of the gambling area you'd be allowed to smoke. 25% would be a non-smoking area. So what's going to be the non-smoking area? Is it going to be the, the blackjack rooms. table? The restrooms. <laughs> you can go to the restroom. Oh, and- they're gonna, you know, there will be non-smoking in the restrooms, I'm sure. Will it be at the bar area? Probably not. Will it be slots, a slots area that's non-smoking? I don't know. I just, um, I'm, I did call Reverend Green, by the way. I just, I want you to know, I don't, you know, I want to hear his side of the story too. And I went straight to voicemail, huh? which is, uh, yeah, kind of surprising. Usually he picks my calls up right away. <laughs> we have a nice little chat. <laughs> Didn't have a chat today. Congressman Mike Johnson, uh, or uh, we did talk to him, but we also spoke with Stephen Wagesback. He came in studio, uh, candidate for governor, and we'll hear his platforms coming up just after the break. Mike and McCarty, one one. One oh one seven FM seven ten Keel. Mike and McCarty in studio with uh, candidate for governor Stephen Wagesback. Good morning, Stephen. Good morning. Glad Thanks to be for here. Coming in. Uh, shoot, we've already had. He, he I mean, I think a little early. Now, right? So yeah. we, <laughs> <laughs> we can't really talk about what we were talking yeah. about off the air. <laughs> That's more for the you have to you have to pay the extra for the yeah. un, unedited version. <laughs> unedited. Yeah. Well, uh, so how's the campaign going? Fantastic. I mean, the, the truth is, we're about two months into this campaign that I announced I'm running for governor, and I've been in my car pretty much every single day since then, driving around the state, and we're getting great response. I mean, we got to look. Our message is pretty clear. I, I I got in this race for one simple reason. I am sick and tired of watching Louisiana waste our potential. I'm sick and tired of watching families leave for other states mm-hmm. no quite frankly no region understands that more than this one i mean how many good people families businesses etc have migrated to texas over the years and i think we are at a crossroads moment for louisiana i think if we can fix some things we can get to the other southern states that are winning right now and if we if we blink in this moment and miss this opportunity then i worry that we uh we fall in a place where it's hard to ever recover from so that's why i got in and we're getting great response around the state fix some things yeah well, let's start there let's go with it What's at the top of your fixed list? You know, it's really, if you want to stop the brain drain, you first of all, you got to keep people here, and then you got to recruit new people. Okay, so let's break that down. Why are we losing people? It's opportunity, right? And so we have to better prepare kids in schools and get them ready for the jobs of today. That means doubling down on career and technical education and relevancy to workforce and preparing kids for the jobs of today. That's one thing. Two, we've got to get government out of people's lives as much as we can, allow businesses to do what they do best, allow families to control their own kids' futures, et cetera, kind of get the reach of government, that kind of tentacle that Huey Long created a long time ago, get it out of people's lives, whether you're a business or an individual. That's one thing. Three, you got to fix this crime issue. Every region is feeling it, seeing it. you got to take the folks that we know are causing problems off the streets, and once they're off the streets, you remediate whoever you can. Well, and, and you we and you, you incarcerate whoever you can't, mm-hmm. and you got to kind of triage them. But the first step is getting the element that's causing the problems off the streets. Um, so safe communities, growing communities with jobs and infrastructure, and educated communities, preparing kids for whatever their true pathway is. Not every kid is destined for college, 
But if a kid is destined to be productive in a, in a job, in a workforce, start using high schools by bringing in that technical training, bringing in that soft skills, bringing in whatever it takes to get kids ready to launch into productivity coming out of high school. Because too many kids launch out of high school onto the couch or onto a life of crime because we haven't done a good enough job of preparing them for whatever their true pathway is here. So I think it's education, preparation of kids, stop the cycle of drift to Texas or drift to crime. I think that's the big thing we got to do first. There's a measure before the lawmakers. Lawmakers, It's been there a couple of times before to let me, you, anybody that wants to carry a concealed weapon, carry one without a permit. I can just go and I can carry it in my purse wherever I want to go. Uh, the governor is threatening again to veto it. Uh, would Stephen Wagesback veto that bill? You know, I'm a pro-Second Amendment candidate. I'm a big believer in that. I don't think that gun control is going to stop the cycle of crime we have. And so I'm not opposed to that effort. Um, I don't I don't see me having a strong a veto position on that. So I think I would sign it. Um, I'd want to look at the bills that got to my desk. You hate to make decisions before you're on that in that spot. Mm-hmm. I'd want to see the final legislation. But I definitely come in with a very pro-Second Amendment position, and I would review every bill like that. I think the key to making our community safe is not gun control. It's crime control. And the way you have crime control is you figure out who's causing the problem. You take them off the streets. And once they're off the streets, you remediate who you can. You incarcerate everyone else. And that's how you keep communities safe. There's a lot of discussion here in Shreveport, Bossier, about, and we don't like to hear it, but as goes New Orleans, so goes the rest of the state. Mm -hmm. My friend groups, lots of other people have said, I'm not going to New Orleans anymore. It's not happening. It's too dangerous down there. How do you work with an administration like we have in New Orleans now? That seems to be soft on crime. That is scaring people away from our state. Yeah. And look, if you're not from New Orleans, it's very easy for folks in Louisiana to say, oh, that's New Orleans. Let them do what they want, et cetera, et cetera. The truth is, if we're going to be a state that's growing, we need New Orleans to be its best potential. We mm-hmm. do. We, we can't let them just wither on the vine. We cannot. And right now, that's what's happening right now. Crime is out of control. If, you, if you're in New Orleans, areas that you used to go, people who would go to New Orleans and, hey, let's go to the French Quarter and go to a, a nice restaurant and go ha- have a good time out there. People don't do that anymore because they're, they're scared of that. Um, if you're in New Orleans, there's these, like, dirt bike, uh, four-wheeler, I don't know if you call them gangs or whatever, mm-hmm. that go all over the place that, you know, create challenges and problems. You, you see that when someone is arrested, they're released almost the next day. There's all kind of problems over there. And so, look, it is tough because at the end of the day, crime is a local issue. You need local leaders to be strong on it. The state is a good support entity. But obviously, we can't depend on that in all this way. So a couple things I think the state can do. First of all, I think as governor, I'd want to double down on technology. Right now, what I hear from law enforcement when I talk to them, here's their biggest problem. We, they need crime cameras. They need license plate readers. They need body cams. They need all the technology to make sure that if they do capture someone, that they have the evidence to take them off the streets because people are scared to testify right now. Technology can help with that. The the second thing is, you know, we're a couple hundred troopers down at the state police level. That's when I talk to them. We have to do training academies as soon as possible. We have to put more troopers on the streets. And I'd like to create some type of like hotspot unit, similar to what Rudy Giuliani did back in the day to clean up New York City and have a unit that basically is going to go to hotspot areas. And if crime is rising in the French Quarter or in Baton Rouge or across the street here at the radio station, wherever it is, we can send white police cars. We can send blue uh, police uniforms, that state trooper presence, and we can supplement local law enforcement. I think that's a big deal. The third thing you hear is coming out of COVID. When a lot of these kids were sent home from the schools, 
quite frankly, a lot of the gangs recruited some of these kids. And so these police officers, they tell me, it's like, look, that 14 to 19-year-old age, they're picking up a lot of kids. Those are a lot of the kids who are running from the blue lights when they go on. And if they catch those kids, there's no juvenile facilities anywhere to bring them. And so they end up being released, and the gangs know it. And that's why they keep using the same uh, front-end people to do a lot of this work. And so we have to – what a state can do also is help supplement to find those juvenile facilities – where you can bring some of these kids, take them off the streets, and then figure out, okay, this kid is actually creating the crimes of an adult, and they need to be treated like that. This kid needs training, drug treatment, mental health, whatever, and give that kid something to where they can get out of that life of crime. So, mm-hmm. But the first step is you got to help locals the best you can. That's technology. That's supplementing, with I think, with a hotspot unit. And that's helping find regional facilities where they can bring juvenile offenders. Because if you talk to anyone in law enforcement, they'll say that is a huge issue. It's juvenile offenders, and there's nowhere to bring them, so they get released the next day. And Mm -hmm. that cycle continues every single day. One oh one seven FM seven ten Keo Mike and McCarty gonna be interesting at three o'clock this afternoon. Going to be interesting. It's gonna be a long meeting. I'm not looking forward to it because I like to try <laughs> to watch it. So I got another three I'm hoping it's not more than three hours, but it might go longer. Let me change gears for just a mm-hmm. second before we, we close out because I I I've had this on, on deck all morning. Uh but but uh the fallout continues for Bud Light. Uh oh. Yeah. More? Yeah. It's, it's, this is serious. Mm hmm. There's, I, you know, I've seen people, you know, quote, boycotting stuff sure, because, sure. you know, but then it, it, it eventually kind of goes back. And, mm-hmm. and this may, but I mean, they may recover. Right. Uh, but it's certainly lasting and impacting them harder than uh than than they were ready for but apparently they've informed wholesalers that they would actually buy back unsold beer once it expires wow and as they continue to face this backlash um they say they're wholesalers they they work with and i was kind of surprised that the 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 low number there's 385 independent distributors or wholesalers across mm-hmm. the country i would have thought there would have been more uh many of them are family-owned businesses that have carried anheuser-busch products for i'm reading their their press release for generations uh the wholesalers employees many driving trucks bearing the bud light logo i drive past one every day by the way mm-hmm. somebody has a company truck in the neighborhood oh it's okay. a little pickup yeah. and mm-hmm. it's got the bud light logo and yeah. i keep waiting for there to be like a a smiley face on it or something <laughs> somebody yeah. do something uh and they said there's bomb threats at several Anheuser-Busch facilities in wholesaler. Look, come on. Mm-hmm. Don't be stupid. Yeah. Just if you don't want to support them, don't buy it. But don't right. be. Don't be. Exactly. Stupid. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Bud Light sales in the U.S. down 23.6%, surpassing the 23.3% last week in April. So it continues to grow hmm. in the in their decline. Golly, and and you know you, if you've been to a restaurant lately and ordered a beer, and they don't have your brand, 
they're going to come back to the table pushing the Bud Light. <laughs> I told you we we went out to eat last last week. Um, the the waiter was like, you know, well, because my, my brother in law says, "What do you have?" and he's listing off. I said, "Look, has have you seen you know from from somebody on the ground? Have have you seen an actual? Is is this all hype?" Or he goes, "Oh no, we can't sell it." We they're, can't sell Bud Light. And they're not buying it anymore no. at the bars and stuff because they have it piled up. Right. They don't need to order anymore. Well, so that, now, that's going to trickle down. Anheuser-Busch is buying back expired mm. beer. Uh, oh, my. The, yeah. I guess that that would mean the kegs, too, for the, Ooh, you know, the beer yeah. on tap, I would assume. Oh, those expire quicker, too, don't they? I don't know. Oh, not a good thing for just a, a marketing debacle. Drunk. This should be one of those things they teach in marketing school. Don't do oh, things like this. Oh, you know this is going to. You know oh. this is going to enter into curriculum. Absolutely. Here's not what to do with your brand. Yeah. How many millions were lost? Mm-hmm. And and they and they go back to the statement, uh, you know, that that look, this is one can of beer. It was one video. It wasn't a commercial. Mm-hmm. No, there, there are even uh, there are, are, are um, experts, industry experts saying, yeah, they're trying. Like you know, they had the commercial with the 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 Clydesdale and yeah. the, the patriotic commercial, and they're saying maybe too little, too late. I'm wondering if NASCAR makes changes because they've got you know all kind of Budweiser tie-ins. You know, they have the the Bud at the Glen, they have the Bud Light cars. I wonder if that's going to change. I don't know. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Mike and McCarty, 101.7 FM, 710 Kiel.